Most respected mothers and sisters, often in dunya, we look at certain things and don't understand many times what the origin was. For example, a diamond, people marvel at the diamond, how beautiful it looks and how valuable it is and all the things about the diamond marvel at it, but if one looks back at the origin of the diamond, it was just carbon. The bag of charcoal also is carbon. So this was the same carbon very deep down in the earth because of the heat at that point and the pressure of the earth above it. It's all Allah Ta'ala's qudrat that Allah Ta'ala made that carbon into diamond and now it became so valuable. And likewise, that pearl which people marvel at was just something insignificant which the oyster took within itself and then in time it became a pearl. What we understand from these things are that not to write off anything. Sometimes there were people who outwardly we are far from becoming anything. But when the gaze of mercy of Allah Ta'ala came upon them, then those who were apparently totally insignificant became great beacons of hidayat and guidance for the Ummah. For example, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala he was that person who had set out to assassinate Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam but when the mercy of Allah Ta'ala turned towards him, then he became that personality regarding whom Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Lakana Umar. Had they been a Nabi after me, it would have been Umar. From where to where? And Abu Jahl, being the arch enemy that he was, despite that, yet his son Ikrima radiallahu an became one of the very senior Sahaba of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So therefore, no person is a write-off, as we may call it. Neither should we think of ourselves as write-offs, that there is no hope for us, and nor should we ever think about ever anybody else that such a person is a write-off, this person has got no chance, no hope, nobody can ever say such a thing about anybody else. We have no idea when something will turn around, and when there will be this dramatic revolution in somebody's life, and that carbon will become diamond, and that insignificant speck of dust would become a pearl, we have no idea when that might happen. So today we have the discussion of a personality who is none other than one of the Ummahatul Mu'mineen, our mothers, one of our mothers of the Ummah, and one of the noble wives of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Hazrat Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha. Her background also was that she was born into a Jewish family and she was grown up in a home where her father was one of the arch enemies of Islam, somebody who harbored tremendous hatred for Rasulullah And despite having grown up in this kind of background, Allah Ta'ala brought that day where she became one of the Azwaj Mutahharat 
and the Ummahatul Mu'mineen. And among the Ummahatul Mu'mineen, she became among the mothers of the Ummad. So this is also one of those incidents and one of those examples that teach us this lesson. Never to become despondent about ourselves also. Obviously never to be proud about ourselves, but never to become despondent either. And never ever to write anybody else off. To say that this person, there's no chance for him. This person is a write-off. Never ever to think of in that manner. Nevertheless, coming to the topic of Safiya, she was, as we mentioned, born in a Jewish family. She was from the progeny of Bani Israel, the progeny of Harun Ali Salatu And as a result, she was from this very noble lineage. But as time passed, she came about in the family where they were arch enemies of Rasulullah In any case, she was once, somebody taunted her and said to her that she's a Jewess. And Nabi Salaam heard of this. This was after she became a part of the family and household of Rasulullah Nabi Salaam said to her as a form of consoling her and comforting her because she was hurt at this remark obviously. Somebody, whoever said it, said it in a thoughtless way. They didn't think about it. Something they just blurted out maybe. But in any case, Nabi Islam comforted her and consoled her and said to her that that you are the daughter of a Nabi, meaning you are in the progeny of Adam uh, Harun Salam. Your uncle is a Nabi, meaning Hazrat Musa Salam. And you are now in the marriage of a Nabi, meaning Nabi Islam himself. So when you have all these accolades to your name, so on what basis is somebody else now trying to boast over and above you that you are inferior to them in any way? No such thing. Again here, in all these aspects about these people's lives, what we learn and how Nabi Islam dealt with the situation, what we learn is, number one, Nabi Islam denounced this taunt. Somebody has had some issue in their past. Some things are beyond their control. For example, being born into a Jewish family is not in anybody's control. And sometimes some things might have been done as a mistake in a person's life. But the person has moved on from that situation to bring about such a incident of the past in the form of a taunt is a very, very despicable thing. Whatever the issues might have been in a person's past life, that is something now to ha- close those chapters completely and never ever to raise those issues or even think about it for that matter. Then the other thing is that she was obviously hurt by this comment that somebody made about her. And she was hurt, she was obviously feeling perhaps down about it for that moment. And Nabi Wasallam heard about this, he came and consoled her. He lifted her spirits by saying these comforting words to her that you are the progeny of a Nabi, your uncle is a Nabi, you are now in the marriage of a Nabi. The lesson for us in this is that these are things that we should learn to do. Somebody is not feeling very, very enthusiastic sometimes, they're feeling low, they're feeling down, they're feeling some disheartened about something. These are the things Nabi Islam has taught us from his actions. To uplift the spirits of people, say comforting things. Unfortunately, let alone say comforting things to uplift somebody's spirits, 
very often somebody who is fine, we say such hurtful things to them to break their spirits. That really shatters people sometimes. So this is something far away from the teachings of deen. In fact, it is far away from the conduct of any Muslim, any good Muslim. Nabi Islam has taught us from this incident to be a source of comfort to people, to bring emotional comfort to them, to say things that will be consoling to them. In any case, coming back to Hazrat Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha, she was born in this family as we mentioned, her father, her uncle, her father was Huyay bin Akhtab, one of the very staunch Jews and after Rasulullah made Hijrat, so he first stayed in Quba for about a, 10 days or so and while Nabi was in Quba, Huyay bin Akhtab and his brother, the two of them came, they came to see what's going on, who has come. In any case, they came to Quba, it was around the late part of the night, just before, as we will say, Subha Sadiq. When they returned back to Madinah Munawara, because that way is where they were living, it was already sunset. The whole day had gone. Now, Safiya at that time was still a young child and she was very closely attached to her father, extremely closely attached to her uncle as well. And when he would come from anywhere, after even a short absence from home, he would meet her very, very lovingly, with a lot of smiles and so on. On this occasion, he was gone for the whole day. As he's coming back, so she came out to receive him. But he's looking very dejected, very down, like a kind of depression. So she even greeted him and he didn't even pay any attention. This was very strange for her. So she started listening carefully what's going on and then she heard a conversation between these two brothers Huyay bin Akhtab and his brother and his brother is asking him that Ahua Hua is asking in kind of just not even being too clear about it he's saying is he really the person he's referring to Rasulullah sallam, that the claim that he has made that he is the last Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, do you also believe it is this correct is he the same person that who has been promised in our scriptures also that the last Nabi of the time will come? So Haybin Akhtab, despite whatever his enmity was in his heart, he replied and said, Naam Wallah. Can you imagine he is taking a qasam also and saying, yes, definitely, he is that person. There is no doubt about it that he is that last and final messenger who was prophesied in our scriptures as well. So now that he himself acknowledged this, and he is affirming it that yes, this is the very personality that had been prophesied in our, in our scriptures. He is the last and final messenger. So the brother asked him, so what do you feel about it? In other words, what are you going to do now? How are you going to now move on from here? His reply was that his enmity will remain in my heart till my last breath. On the one hand, he is acknowledging that this is the last Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. And this is the true messenger of Allah Ta'ala. And he's seen all the signs. Because these people had read these things in their scriptures, which was already stated there clearly. But yet he is saying that he will remain, Na'uzubillah, my enemy till my last breath. So what was this? What was the reason for this? The reason for this was nothing but hasad, which the Quran Sharif has spelt out as well, that 
ود کثیر من اہل الکتاب لردونکم ممباد ایمان کم کفارہ حسدم من عند انفسهم من بعد ما تبین لهم الحق after the truth has become manifest to them they are still insisting on their evil on their kufr this is nothing but their hasad but their jealousy jealousy for what they were awaiting the last and final messenger thinking that the last and final messenger will come among the bani israel in the progeny of musa alaihi salam ishaq alaihi salam and when finally rasulullah came among the arabs this was something they couldn't digest now can we imagine something of this nature that why wasn't he among us why was he among the arabs this hasad this hasad became a means of them getting deprived of iman that this jealousy became such a barrier in them that they couldn't digest this this is a very very serious malady it's something to make every effort to cleanse our hearts out of this hasad and jealousy creates untold misery for the person who harbors such jealousy also and sometimes for others also the thing about jealousy is that it harms the jealous person first it may sometimes never harm anybody else if he doesn't really get a chance to do something about it it'll harm nobody but he'll definitely get harmed and therefore there is a saying that this is sufficient for you regarding the person who is jealous over you annahu yaghdab inda sururik you have to take no revenge the only thing if you want to take revenge is just to know that when you are happy he said this is a way of making a person understand that this is such a futile thing and it doesn't serve any good for the person himself also it's only a destructive malady and therefore we should make every effort to cleanse our hearts of this the reality of this hasad is that this is nothing but an objection against allah taala allah taala has blessed somebody with some nimat some bounty whether it is something of a material nature whether it is something of in a person's being allah taala made somebody very wealthy so made somebody very intelligent allah taala made somebody very strong allah taala made somebody with some other abilities and skills whatever the case is all this is the distribution of allah taala for a person to now have hasad and have a jealousy about somebody this is objecting to allah taala that nauzu billah allah taala made a mistake by giving it to that person he should have given it to me so what is severe thing this is to object against allah taala so this is something that we should always be on the alert shaitan keeps whispering these things and the remedy to this is that a person should take the name of whoever he feels some kind of jealousy towards take their name and make dua for them make dua allah taala increases that nimat for them make dua allah taala grants them even more nimats and sometimes give the person some hadiya speak good about the person in his or her absence these are the things that will cleanse the heart and these are extremely important things to do in order to keep the heart clean nevertheless as safiya radiyallahu ta'ala anha we were discussing about her before islam she was already married to a person sallam bin abil huqiq after he passed away died then his brother kinana she got married to him while she was in his marriage she one day saw a dream and the dream that she saw she related to her husband that she saw the moon coming from yathrib yathrib was the name of madina munawwara so she saw that the moon came all the way from yathrib and fell in her lap so when she narrated this dream to her husband kinana at that time 
So he gave a very hard slap and he said to her, it seems you have aspirations of one day marrying the king of Hijaz. Now the king of Hijaz, he didn't even know perhaps what he was talking about at that time. But this was actually something that was an indication that one day she will come into, into the nikah of Rasulullah And she had seen this dream and he understood this dream to mean something of this nature. And therefore he slept her in this way. And after she came into the nikah of Rasulullah and there was a slight bruise still left on her face as a result of that slap regarding which Nabi Salaam inquired that how is this, what is this bruise all about? And she mentioned this incident that this is what happened. Nevertheless, in the seventh year of Hijri, the battle of Khaybar took place. This is a lengthy incident. We're not going to go into all the details. But in any case, one of the main instigators of this battle was Huyay bin Akhtab. That he had instigated his people to break the, the conditions of the treaty that had been made with Rasulullah And when this treaty was broken, when the Jews went against the, uh, the agreement that was made, so then that's when this battle of Khaybar took place. Nabi Islam marched against them with the Sahaba Ikram in the early part of the morning. And as he entered Khaybar, Nabi Islam even said, Kharibat Khaybar, inna idha nazalna bisahatihim fasa'a sabahul munzareen. That now this place is now totally going to be under, it's going to be overcome. In any case, these people also were completely caught unawares and in a very quick time, without much difficulty, the Sahaba overcame them. In this battle, the combating, those men who were combatants got killed, but none of the women, none of the children were killed. This is the teaching of Islam. That women, children, old and infirm people who are not able to fight, they are not harmed in any way. This even in a state of battle, in a state of war, with, where the kuffar are waiting to attack in any way, but yet this is the teaching of Islam, that if these people are waiting war against you, you are in war with them, but you will not kill the woman, you will not kill the children, you will not kill the elderly and the infirm. And contrast that with how the world carries on nowadays, though the propaganda is all made against Muslims, but indiscriminate bombing keeps taking place on not let alone on any excuse, where there is no excuse, they create a false excuse. And indiscriminately bomb civilian areas, men, women, children, old, young, thousands of children get killed, people are mercilessly persecuted, massacred, and nobody takes any notice of it. So the point that is meant to be made here is, that we shouldn't get caught up in the propaganda of the world, the media, etc. This is something, in fact, we should avoid even taking any news from the media at all. Because all this news is skewed. It is meant to give a certain slant to things and create a certain mindset. Many a times, because of the propaganda and because of the media, the way it portrays something, many a Muslim becomes confused and he even becomes... the disenchanted about Muslims, whereas very often these are things which are complete lies, fabrications, what they make up and they put some kind of news items in the media just to create a bad impression about Muslims. 
This is what Islam teaches. And this is what our beautiful teen has taught us. In any case, when the Jews here at Khaybar were overcome, and many were defeated, and they surrendered to Rasulullah So, at that time, Nabi Wasallam said to them, that look, one of the conditions that we will now come to some kind of settlement is that all the wealth you will hand over to the Muslims. And you will hide nothing. They accepted, they will hide nothing. But then they still took a bag which belonged to the Suhaib bin Akhtab and filled it with all the jewels and valuables, about 10,000 dinars, 10,000 gold coins, and they hid it. Nabi Salaam asked them about this bag because he had some information of it. They denied it. We know nothing about it. Nabi Salaam said, look, if we find it, then you will all be executed. They said, yes, definitely. We agree to that. You have no such bag. After some investigations, Nabi Salaam asked the Sahaba to go and excavate a certain place and they found this bag. And as a result, Huye bin Akhtab and various others were all executed because they themselves had agreed to this. So now, Hazrat Safiya, she had also become part of the captives. In any case, there were many details to this. But eventually, Nabi Wasallam presented Islam to her. And he gave her a choice that either she can accept Islam. Can we imagine, on the one side, there is this propaganda also that Islam was spread by the edge of the sword. Now, how far from the truth this is. Here we see people have been captured. They are totally overcome by the Muslims. Whatever decision will be made, if the decision is that they must now be killed, they will be killed. But Nabi Islam is giving the choice to her. It's your choice. It's up to you. If you accept Islam, you can accept Islam. I will free you and you will come into my nikah. And otherwise, you can go and join your people again. So, there are many, many aspects involved in here. But in this, Safiya initially she says that she had a lot of negativity and in fact hatred for Islam, for the Muslims and even in particular Allah forbid for Nabi Wasallam. Why? Because of the same aspect that the propaganda that her father had made against Nabi Wasallam, And this was something that had poisoned her mind and she was actually negative. But then when Nabi Wasallam explained the situation to her, answered some of her objections and her questions, her mind was completely cleared and she of her own accord chose to rather be a Muslim. And she said, I have now fallen in love with Islam. I am becoming a Muslim. And I am choosing to remain with you. As a result, she became a Muslim. And Nabi Islam then made nikah with her in Khaybar. So this is something that we need to bear in mind also. Often we hear something from one angle. Like she only heard what her father had to say. As a result, what was the outcome that she started harboring enmity for Islam, she started harboring enmity, Allah forbid, for even Nabi Wasallam. Why? Because she heard things from one angle. She heard things from one direction only. But when she got the other side of the story, when she got to hear about the reality, then it changed the whole heart and mind. And she realized that what she was initially told was all a lie, and the reality is something far different. Hazrat Luqman, he said to his son, that... If somebody comes to you complaining about another person, saying that this person, he 
gorged out my eye and now you see that eye hanging also still don't take any action and don't make any judgment until you ask the other person what happened call the other person up and ask him what happened it's possible when you get to see the other person you'll find this person gorged out both his eyes and in return that person probably got to gorge out one eye but now he got to complain to you first and you latched onto that and you looked at that situation that this person's one eye is hanging you already started making some judgment in your mind you already started taking some action also and then later on you realize that you were at fault because the person who came to complain was the real aggressor the other person was the victim so this is a lesson for us to bear in mind that we should always be careful in this regard don't just take things on face value in any case rasulullah gave her a choice and she accepted islam and nabi islam then made nikah with her and this was still while he was on this journey this nikah took place and then they moved on one of the incidents that happened at this time was when they departed from khaybar nabi islam still did not spend any time with her as such because he was still on this journey and when they were departing now that she was in his nikah but everybody had not yet come to know about the detail because initially she was a portion to nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam as a slave so everybody was not yet sure what happened because those who were nearby they came to know about the nikah itself everybody wasn't aware of it so when they were departing this news got around but still some were not sure is she part of the azwaj mutahharat now is she part of the noble wives of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam or is she as a slave woman because a person who owned a slave woman in that time then that slave woman was his possession and the kind of relationship that spouses have that will be the relationship with the slave woman as well apart from the fact that she is owned entirely this was the situation in any case this was something that was now being discussed among the sahaba that is she now going to be a part a, a part of the azwaj mutahharat or a slave woman so how would they judge this because everybody wasn't aware that the nikah took place those who were close by knew about it they said yes we'll come to know just now when we are going to depart and we're going to leave on the journey when the journey will take on again we will observe what will be the case if in hajabaha fahiya imra'atuhu wa in lam yahjubha fahiya ummu waladi if nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam puts her into as we will say in our context in our manner of expressing it puts her into parda then this will indicate very clearly that this is his noble wife and if she is not obligated to observe parda then this will be clear that this is she is no more she is not part of the azwaj mutahharat she is a slave woman now this was a very very pertinent aspect that this was the distinguishing point the distinguishing factor that what will indicate that she is among the azwaj mutahharat that the free woman of that time this was their hallmark that they were totally covered the slave woman well they were enslaved so they were not because now they had to be in the service of the master all the time so this was not their obligation to have completely themselves covered in niqab etc 
Now this is something for us to bear in mind that from that time this was the distinguishing factor. And this is something that we need to consider that in this time there isn't that slavery anymore and that slavery also was gradually phased out by Rasulullah himself. The laws of deen phased it out. There were many many things that a person if he wanted to get out of that situation he had to free a slave. People would buy slaves to get out of a qasam that he took. Free a slave. Various kinds of talaq in order to come out of it. Zihar to free a slave. So there was a gradual phasing out of this. In any case, that slavery is over. But nowadays there is still a slavery. The slavery of the West. Many a times we get enslaved by the fashions of the West. Enslaved by the lifestyle of the West. Enslaved by the ideas and ideology of the West. So this is something that we need to consider that the hallmark of a free woman even in that time was the aspect of hijab, that she was fully covered. Then another aspect that happened on this occasion was that after having traveled a little distance, Nabi Wasallam then had the walima done for this nikah that took place. What was the manner of this walima? Nabi Wasallam announced to the sahaba, Look, this nikah has taken place, and this is what is required that the nikah should be announced. Unfortunately, nowadays we have a lot of these situations coming up and these questions coming up that whatever the reasons are, but I want to have a secret nikah. This is completely against the spirit of deen, and in fact, in one hadith sharif, it comes that the dividing line between nikah and zina is the announcement. Not that this is for the sake of validity, but in terms of the general public, this is the dividing line. If there hasn't been an announcement, how does a person make any kind of distinction that this person is in an illicit relationship here or what's going on? So this is completely against the teaching of deen. Nabi Islam has taught very clearly, Announce the nikah, have it performed in the masjid. This too is some sunnah that is unfortunately now getting phased out because everything has to happen in a certain style in a, in a hall. So even that sunnah of the nikah being performed in a masjid is being abandoned. Whereas this is something in a very very clear hadith Nabi Islam says, وَجْعَلُوهُ فِي الْمَسَاجِدِ In any case this walima now, Nabi Islam announced to the sahaba that look this walima is to take place. Whoever has anything to eat, bring it along. So now the sahaba who are being invited for the walima, they are being told, whatever you have, some food, bring it along. So somebody brought up some dates they had, because they all are on a journey now. Somebody had some dates, somebody had some ghee, somebody had some cheese, somebody had a few other items, all this was brought along. Some of these things were mixed to create some sweet dish, hais, and this was then served to whoever was present. And this was the simplicity with which this walima took place. Walima is sunnat, but the sunnat of walima is not dependent on having a very lavish arrangement. Yes, there is leeway if a person can afford it. In the walima itself, Nabi Islam said to us, Abdurrahman ibn Awf awlim walau bishatin, that do have a walima, even if you just have to have one sheep slotted, he was a very wealthy person. So meaning if it's more than that, it's fine, even just one sheep for you too, that's too fine. So in the walima there is some leeway to spend a little more and call one's friends, family, etc. But 
not for the sake of just making a name for oneself, to do it in a manner that will rival somebody else, and all the wastage and whatever as goes along with it in these times. No, it's something that has to be done as an ibadat. But here on this occasion, Nabi Islam set this standard as well, which every single person is able to, Therefore, make amal on the sunnah of Walima that if he is not able to present something himself, he'll even invite people and ask them to bring something and have the Walima in any case. The sunnah of Walima in this manner, Hazrat Haji Bai Padia Sahib Rahmatullah, when his only son, Mawlana Ahmad Padia Sahib Marhum Rahmatullah, when he got married, so whatever they prepared in the house, whoever they invited, they told them you also bring something along. And people, whatever, some little bit they brought along, all that was put together on the Dasarkhan, whoever was present, they did. And this was done purely in order to practice on this sunnah. So there was no airs about it, that who will say what and what people will think. Our concern should be, will Allah Ta'ala be pleased with us? This is the main aspect and this is the thing that we should be most concerned about, the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. Then, as Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha, as now she was part of the Azwaj Mutaharat, and at that time, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there were many other Azwaj Mutaharat as well. At one point in time, there were nine of them, and this was the special, the hukam and the command of Allah Ta'ala, because deen had to spread just as it had to spread to the men, it was necessary for deen to be imparted to the women as well. And the Azwadi Mutaharat were the means by which deen had to spread through the, to the woman. And this whole ummah of women. And so many issues. And somebody will get to learn and see something. Somebody will get to learn and see something else. Somebody will be able to grasp it more deeply. So as a result, this was Allah Ta'ala's command that all these various nikahs take place. And some nikahs were, there were various other aspects and hikmats and wisdoms involved in it. That's an entire topic on its own. But being insan, there was this natural rivalry. The rivalry was nothing but who could get closer to Rasulullah So in itself, that too was something very great. Because their rivalry was not for any kind of personal issues. But each one desired to be the closest to Rasulullah And the love of Nabi And being close to him, this was something that every single person desired. All the Sahaba. And the love of Nabi Islam, every Ummati, this is not just something, it's, it's a sign of his Iman. And it's the, it's the distinction, distinction of every Mu'min, that he's extremely, has deep love for Nabi Islam in his heart. In this rivalry, nevertheless, sometimes, somebody maybe got just carried away for a moment, and they said or did something which might not have been appropriate, so Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha, since we are discussing her, there were one or two incidents which teach us a lot. On one occasion, Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, in that moment something in the discussion, so she just made a comment about Hazrat Safiya radiallahu ta'ala anha. And she said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Hasbuka min Safiyata kaza wa kaza. For you, it's sufficient for you in terms of Safiya that she is, in other words, she made an indication to say, She's a very short person. In height, she's short. Now, this was a comment that Aisha Radiallahu just made, just by chance, one of these odd occasions, something she has said. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, whenever there was something that where the line of Shariat was crossed, 
then he said that right immediately. Where there wasn't any aspect of Shariat being compromised, the Nabi Wasallam would tolerate everything and be extremely soft. Extremely soft-natured. This is how he was. And he would say also that as far as women are concerned, actually this is something we should say in the masjid that we do say it, but it's also sometimes a lesson to take it on the other side as well. That is to say that يَغْلِبْنَ لَئِيمًا وَيَغْلِبْنَ كَرِيمًا وَيَغْلِبُهُنَّ لَئِيمٌ فَأَنَا أُحِبُّ أَنْ أَكُونَ مَغْلُوبًا كَرِيمًا وَلَا أُحِبُّ أَنْ أَكُونَ غَالِبًا لَئِيمًا That as far as women are concerned, if a person is very noble in his qualities, he has good akhlaq, good character, they will just overpower him. And they will dominate him. And once upon a time they used to talk about what kind of government and so on. Nowadays, they just say the government. So, this will be the case. If he's a person of good akhlaq, he'll get dominated. And if he's somebody who has poor akhlaq, he's a person of mean qualities, then he'll remain the dominating person. He will have his wife under control, as they say. Nabi Wasallam then said to the Sahaba, I prefer being a noble person who's dominated, rather than being a mean person who is dominant. But the lesson for, now this as we said, and this is said in the masjids, alhamdulillah. But at the same time, this is a lesson for us. This was a lesson Nabi Islam gave for the woman as well. That look, if you are finding yourself, mashallah, very dominant, don't think it's because of some expertise you have. It's the nobility of the person. So rather appreciate that, don't take advantage of it. Rather be appreciative of that. In any case, when Aisha made this statement and this comment, Nabi Islam immediately addressed this. And he said to her, because now this had to be corrected, he said to her, O Aisha, you have uttered such a statement that if this statement had to be put into the ocean, in other words, if it had to be given some form, it would, for example, made into some kind of liquid, if the statement could have been turned into some liquid, now it's one statement, one sentence, it might be a few drops. If this had to be put into the ocean, it will pollute the entire ocean. All the oceans, 70% of earth is covered by water. Now imagine this few drops, the ocean, it swallows up all the filth, many sewer lines all run into the ocean, but you don't find any sign of it. All this gets swallowed up and the ocean remains as pure as ever. Yet despite that, this is such a toxic statement, meaning any negative statement about anybody, any ghibat. Now this was something that was just a comment that was in passing and it wasn't something more than describing the person's height. But it was said in a way that was so to say, running somebody down, Nabi Islam said this is ghibat. And he said if this was to be put into the ocean, it will pollute all the seven oceans. Can we imagine now our whole day, sometimes, how much of ghibat carries on? And on top of that, we don't feel like anything happened. It's as if nothing happened. And we just carry on with life in a way that we are still fine. Our piety hasn't been affected in any way. Whereas this is what Nabi Wasallam, uh, how he analyzed it and what he explained, that this is something extremely harmful. It will spoil the seven oceans. What will it will do to our hearts? What amount of destruction it will bring and darkness it will bring in the heart when we make ghibat. Another incident that took place, again this is a lengthy incident, but just this much Nabi Wasallam was on a journey again. And Hazrat Safiya, her camel became ill. 
So her camel could not now walk anymore. She was left without a camel. So Nabi Islam said to Hazrat Zainab bin Tejahsha that look you have two camels because many of them would sometimes because of a lengthy journey so people sometimes would have a spare camel so that if one camel gets tired for a while then they would mount the other and this would carry on walking without any rider so it will rest and they would do this kind of things. So she had a spare camel. Nabi Islam said to her that look Sophia has no camel you have a spare camel why don't you lend her one. Again as part of that rivalry she for that moment just something came in her and she made a statement also and she said that must I lend this camel to that Jewess now this was just again the slip of the tongue but again the lesson that we learn here this was something that was now running somebody down trying to humiliate someone it was <coughs> trying to trample the dignity of someone it is a mistake Allah Ta'ala has forgiven them all their mistakes as well we cannot ever harbor any kind of negativity regarding any of the Sahaba and Sahabiyat. In fact, these incidents, Allah Ta'ala made it happen. And then Allah Ta'ala made them make that kind of Tawbah and Istighfar that their status went even greater. But these are things made to happen so that the Ummah will learn. They would learn what is supposed to be done, what is not supposed to be done, how things should be handled, etc. So in any case, when this was said, Nabi Islam became very upset. And for approximately two and a half months, he abandoned even speaking to her. For two and a half months, he separated himself from her. And then only afterwards, the matter was then left to be, because she had learned the lesson that was necessary. So this is something that's very important, that we understand where the line is. We don't cross that line. Then in terms of our children, our family members, etc., many a times we too become angry and very upset. But for what? For dunya reasons. When something wasn't done in terms of dunya. But do we become upset with them for deen? That when they have shirked in their responsibilities towards Allah Ta'ala, in the obligations of deen, this is the lesson that we learn here, that despite being the most soft-natured person that ever could be, but Nabi Islam didn't compromise on the aspects of deen. Yes, in an appropriate way, with hikmat, with wisdom, we will have to address these issues that come up in our homes, but... We should know where the line is. And we should be maintaining that line, not compromising it. Another incident in the life of Azza Safiya that we learn a very big lesson from. Once Rasulullah was in Atikaf. And she came because her house, her door led into the masjid. So there might have been some important matter or whatever it was. So at a quiet time at night, she came to Rasulullah to discuss whatever the issue was. After having discussed with Nabi Islam for some time, she woke up to leave. So Nabi Islam walked with her up to the door of the masjid, where the boundary of the masjid was. And as they reached that point, two sahaba who were just walking past, they happened to pass by. And as they came, now it was dark as well, when they came close, close by, now they realized Nabi Islam and he is also alongside is some woman. So they quickly turned and they moved off out of respect that there's a lady here and out of haya but as soon as they moved off Nabi Sallallahu immediately said to them Allah rislikuma innaha Safiya just hold on listen this is Safiya binti Huyay this is my wife now when the Sahaba heard this they immediately realized what is being said that what was being actually said is that look 
there's no space here for any kind of harboring any ill thought that if supposing there was any ill thought that is coming in anybody's mind I'm clearing it that this is not a strange woman this is Safiya because she was obviously covered so they couldn't even have known who it was so these Sahaba were very very taken aback by this they felt very this very heavy on them and said Subhanallah in other words can it be even imagined that we will even entertain a fraction of such a thought that Nauzubillah Nabi Wasallam was with some strange woman that he would ever be in this kind of situation can be even in the furthest and the wildest imagination we can't imagine such a thing or entertain such a thought so they didn't express this but this was what went to their minds they became very they felt this a very very heavy thing that could could this be thought about us that we will ever entertain such a thought Nabi Wasallam still maintained what he said and he further said to them that I feared that in the shaitana yajri fi ahadikum majrad dam the shaitan flows in a person's body just as blood flows in his vein in other words shaitan is forever trying to create some mischief forever trying to whisper some kind of mischief in somebody's heart Nabi Islam said to them that I feared that shaitan might whisper something in your hearts now Nabi Islam is still clearing this up there's two lessons in this one lesson is that we don't and should never ever jump to conclusions about anything not that they jump to any conclusion but somebody could have jumped to some conclusion Nabi Islam cleared that up so we should never jump to any conclusion sometimes something seems to be one aspect in reality something very different so never to jump to any conclusions never to have this badgumani always make a positive explanation for something because we don't know what the reality is it could be many wherever there's many possibilities of what the issue is then we take a positive possibility we will not be asked on the day of Qiyamah why we are why did we take the positive possibility something that was more glaring why we didn't take that we won't be asked about that but if we went to some negative possibility and that was not the case on the day of Qiyamah will be taken to task for this this is Badgumani on the one hand this is a lesson that we should never have this badgumani harbor suspicions about anybody have any ill thoughts about anybody but the second aspect we learn from this is that Nabi Islam cleared any suspicion that this was something that was by chance it happened that he had to be now just seeing Safiya Radlana off and these people passed so because this situation could have created some suspicion Nabi Islam immediately cleared this off the lesson we get in this is that a person should never behave in a suspicious manner he should never be in a suspicious place he should never do something that will raise suspicions unnecessarily now for example in our time and age one of the things that keeps coming up repeatedly and comes up between spouses as well and especially between spouses which creates a lot of mistrust a lot of doubt a lot of suspicion and then creates a lot of problems for example now somebody has got a phone which they have keep locked forever and not just locked with some password nowadays I just heard this recently you can lock it with the something with the retina whatever person must look into it and it will read the person's eye and then it will open up so when the person passes away I don't know what they will probably because maybe the bank passwords also all locked up in there 
So now they'll have to go and whether that after the person has gone, whether the eye will still register or not, something to see, because the eye will be closed by that time. So in any case, now the person is conducting himself or herself in this manner that the phone is forever locked and nobody has got access to it. The spouse has got no way to check what is going on. And then every now and then they're hearing about somebody else or something wrong on their spouse's phone. And this phone is forever locked. Now what goes in the mind? So now we will say, but mustn't have badgumani. And this is wrong to think ill of somebody. What you think, I'm a thief or something, or I'm a, some kind of ill-doer. That is correct that nobody must have badgumani. But at the same time, we should not create suspicion. Both are wrong. Both are equally wrong. That person will be sinful for having harbored a negative thought and having harbored suspicion. This person will be sinful for having created suspicion. So this is also something extremely important and especially in terms of the cell phone issue in this time and age. This is something that there should be an open policy between spouses. That everybody's phone between spouses is available to the other party at any time. Without any kind of, and this is also a means of hifazat. It's a means of safety. Because shaitan is with everybody. And when that phone will be forever available to the spouses, person will be cautious. But when there is this lock-up policy, or this lockdown policy or whatever, then this becomes very dangerous also. And even if there is nothing wrong that is taking place, it unnecessarily creates suspicions and creates problems. In any case, the one of the things that one more incident to just finish up on, in the time of Sayyidina Umar once a person one of the slave women of Hazrat Safiya radiallahu ta'ala This was after Nabi Salaam's time, in the time of Hazrat Umar radiallahu The slave woman, she came and she laid a complaint to Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala Now, what was the complaint? She says that Hazrat Safiya radiallahu still loves this, the day of Saturday. But the day of Saturday is a auspicious day for the Jews. Juma is the day of the Muslims. The Jews, the Sabbath, the Saturday... She says, no, she still loves the day of Saturday. And she's keeping ties with the Jews. Now, this was a very serious allegation. Especially the first allegation was very serious. Because when a person has now come into Islam, then a person should not love anything to do with the Jews, with the Christians, not have any kind of link with these things. Because Umar Zilano didn't take any action, obviously, on this complaint alone. He called her up and he inquired about this. As far as the first allegation was that she loves the day of Saturday, she says this is completely false. She says, my love for Jumu'ah has ever been always there ever since I accepted Islam. And I have got no, nothing in my heart regarding the greatness of the Saturday that the Jews observe. This is a completely baseless thing. As far as keeping ties with the Jews, it's not ties with the Jews, it's ties with my family who are still Jewish. But there are some of them who are still close family. And maintaining ties with close family is something Dean has taught us. So I sometimes visit them, sometimes, but there's no nothing beyond that. In other words, there's no, besides just being on a family level, nothing beyond that. So Amr was pleased and he dismissed the matter. She came home, she asked that slave woman that, what made you do this? You know this is a false allegation you made, this was a slander, what made you do this? The slave woman replied, Shaitan. And this is what often is the case with us. 
that we just get carried away in the whispers of shaitan. So she's a shaitan. Now, imagine the situation, what a serious allegation, where it could have led to. And now this person is confessing. In other words, by saying shaitan, she's confessing that this was all my mischief. So what was the reaction? Can we imagine our reaction? Her reaction was, she said, you are free, now you may go from here. She's a slave. It's like a person in this time and age owning one car, owning some other valuable possession and just giving it away to somebody for hadiya. She said, you're free, you can carry on. Now, in this, on the one hand, this was her akhlaq. That, وَأَحْسِنْ إِلَى مَنْ أَسَاءَ إِلَيْكَ The one who harms you, the one who has been, who has wronged you, you do the person a favor in return. وَأَحْسِنْ In other words, you return evil with good. Don't ever go down the same route that that person has done. That was the one aspect. The other aspect is that a person obviously of this kind of nature, that she will now go against her own master, the person who has been caring for her, such association is going to be very harmful. Those qualities are going to be very destructive and detrimental. So she was ready to sacrifice this. Now this was her possession. There was a material value involved. There's a human being, but her slavery, there was a material value involved in that. She could have sold her. She could have earned something out of it. She was prepared to forego that material loss and, and undertake that material loss, forego that material value, but save herself from the wrong influence. That by having this person around, suppose now this became exposed now, what is her nature? What is the qualities that she has? This association is going to be harmful. So she saved herself from that harmful association, even if she had to suffer a loss materially. Now, very often, for the material gain, we are prepared to undertake any kind of risk to our character, our akhlaq, our haya, whatever, doesn't matter, whatever happens to our deen, but that material gain must come. That mustn't get compromised in any way. That mustn't be any, in any way decreased. Whereas our deen is first, our relationship with Allah Ta'ala is above everything, and the material losses, today there's a loss, tomorrow there'll be a gain. That is something we can sacrifice. So this is a very important lesson also we learned from her, that she was prepared to undertake the aspect of whatever loss it came to her materially, but not prepared to risk her deen, risk her akhlaq, etc. These were some of the incidents in her life. She passed away in Ramadan in the year 50 AH after Hijri, while it was the rule of Hazrat Muawiyah Abdullah bin Abbas when he heard, got the news that she passed away, he immediately fell into sajda. Somebody asked him that, what are you doing? You fell into sajda upon this news? He said, yes. And the reason for this is, that Nabi Islam said, When you see some sign that is, could be indicating some impending azab, then go into sajda, meaning get into amal, get into salah, get into zikr, get into dua, because this is something now you need to turn to Allah Ta'ala. See, what can be a bigger sign than the passing on of the Azwaj Mutaharat? Mullah Ali Qari explaining this is that their presence in dunya itself is a means of safety for the people of dunya. Their presence becomes a means of averting azab. Their presence becomes a means of protection from the azab. When they are gone, it's like that cover has gone, that shield has gone. So by extension, 
this was obviously their level and their caliber, who can reach their caliber. But the pious of every age, these are people that we need to appreciate. Many times somebody, we have no idea what the person's caliber is. He might be a very simple person, but a very pious person. We take him for granted. Somebody just sitting in the masjid the whole day. Somebody got nothing to do with dunya. And we take him for granted. We just overlook him. But we have no idea these pious people in our communities, sometimes in our own home, that old lady who's sitting the whole day with her tasbih, nobody seems to take any notice of her. That now she's very elderly, very aged. She has, well, fine, she got nothing else to do. She's making tasbih. Let her be. But we have no idea sometimes it is these people who are the source of so much of khair for us and the source of protection for us. That their presence is a means of protection of the azab that can come upon us due to our ill deeds, due to our sins. So these are people we have to appreciate, people we have to realize their value and be very grateful to Allah Ta'ala for their presence and make dua for them as well. So these are the things that we learn from this the life of this great personality. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala give us a topic of implementing these lessons in our life and learning from these great people. وآخر دعوانا عن الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ولمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخف لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه أجمعين والحمد لله. Just allow two three minutes for the men to leave.